0: Cut the Crest presents The Screening Room. Welcome back to The Screening Room. I'm joined by a very special guest today, uh, a very interesting guest because her work is something that, well, at least I'm not particularly familiar with. Um, the world of choreography uh, in stage and television, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I'm joined today by Lucy Hind. Lucy, welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to have this conversation.
0: Yeah, th- no, thank you, for, thank you for doing it. Um, I am really intrigued. Now, it, you're, you're a friend of uh, my wife, Artie's, and uh, I've seen, you know, she talks a lot or um, well, she talks very fondly about the Paralympic opening ceremony. Um, I think that was a big, big milestone in her career. And I think it must have been maybe around this time last year, we were looking uh, online, we were looking on YouTube uh, at the actual ceremony itself, trying to find the footage and stuff. And, you know, that, and, and she kept talking about you. And I thought, well, I'd like to speak to uh, Lucy because... This stuff just looks uh, mind-bogglingly complex, and I like complex stuff, Uh, blocking, choreography, all that kind of thing. Um, So can you talk a little bit about, well, just the the whole thing, really, the process, um, how you start, how you get to where you, you know, where you get to?
1: That job, that Paralympics job, I think was so unique and so precious to those of us that were involved. I think uh, those of us that got the very rare and very special experience of being part of it felt very lucky because, you know, there's only going to be one ceremony in our country in our lifetime really if you think about it in your professional lifetime it only comes to where you live once and unless you travel around trying to get a job on all the ceremonies it's going to be that once in a lifetime opportunity and i was only 31 30 no not even yeah 31 when i got the job and it was incredibly exciting um it's very different to all other work that i do in theater and in tv So I feel like um, in terms of talking about process and how I work, it's very specific to that. But it's a good place to start because mostly it's about – it's about what what the piece is about for me. So different choreographers work in lots of different ways. Some choreographers start with the music, and it's very much about interpreting the the lyricism and the emotion and the rhythms that are within the music, and they respond to that. And some choreographers work with material first and make movement and make a vocabulary and then find music that suits it and then other choreographers and movement directors which is a bit more what I am by trade work more with kind of narrative and character and storytelling and we find a physical language which speaks the story that we're trying to tell but at the heart of it it's really important that this be is what comes across, especially in musical theatre for me, if like there's actors playing a scene and then all of a sudden the music starts and they suddenly become dancers and it can feel quite untruthful. Um, so that's that's kind of my style, I suppose, in a way. But the Paralympics was was just something completely different. And we learnt so much just on the job, let me tell you. There were only there were eight of us on the Paralympics who were called dance captains and there was one head choreographer and he had an assistant so there were just 10 of us in total doing the whole ceremony and we came from very different backgrounds as well some some of some of the team were dancers some of the team were choreographers and and basically we we were told what the theme was from the overall ceremony but then also each particular number And then we were given an idea of what the music might be, but we also got to choose one or two of what the songs were, which just felt, considering what it was, incredibly like a massive decision for us little choreographers on the floor to be making. You know, I just was like, so I get to choose, (laughs) like, okay. And we worked with this amazing team called the Mass Movement Team and their organization go around the world doing ceremonies. And it literally is Dr. Turnip teach the choreographers and the directors the infrastructure of working on large scale with large numbers. And they have a computer program where everybody gets a number and is told where to stand. So, you know, in those aerial pictures where you see the Union Jack or you see pictures and patterns that change those performers have been given a grid reference to stand on and then they're told to move to another grid reference. So it's, it's incredibly clever. So that's where we started with the big pictures. In terms of the choreography, it, it, it was such a fascinating process because I'm used to choreographing for maybe, uh, you know, on a small production, maybe 10 performers on a big musical, maybe 25 max, you know, professional actors on a big stage. And suddenly we had three and a half thousand. <laughs> and, uh, and we had multifaceted stages to work on as well. So we had the group which Artie was a member of, which were the professional performers. And then we had guest performers from roller skating companies and the dance group called Flawless and lots of other bits which kind of had to all fit together. And we had to devise steps that looked great from all angles. that. A multitude of people would be able to do, and ones that um, which showcased the theme of whatever section it was. So, one of the sections was about and in-, in reading and one of the sections was about protest, and one of the sections was about uh, Newton's apple falling from the tree in gravity. And we made a piece which was a gavotte, which is sort of a, uh, an old English dance, and it's in quadrilles, so you've got four people that come together and move out. A bit like kind of fancy court, courtly country dancing. All right. And so the patterns from above worked beautifully in that style um because they are they look like a kaleidoscope so if you look at that number from above and kind of the green hooped skirts the patterns that the team made were all about um pictures coming together and coming apart and changing the facings of where they were so it looked like a kaleidoscope um whereas one of the sections which was the ocean was uh they all stood in lines and they had incredible costumes they waved and We didn't want them to move off their mucks ever, so they, all the choreography was in their arms. And we also wanted to suit the people who were in each of those numbers. We wanted to make sure we highlighted the skills and the abilities of the people who were in those particular numbers and made it safe for them and also made them feel like they could really shine in those moments. So it was it was a baptism of fire. Let me tell you, I'd never done anything. And you make something on 10 people and then you go to a rehearsal and you see it on 200 and you go, oh, it's not working. (laughs) And you can't just go, great, guys, grab a tea break. I'm just going to fix this like you can do in a rehearsal room or on a TV set. You kind of have to go, great. So we're going to keep working and you're kind of thinking on your feet, trying to solve it because you can't send 200 people off for a feedback. There's no way for them to go. So, I'm... so it was, um, yeah, it was thrilling. And I think what's amazing about it is, you know, we bond and I'm sure that I too will tell you about the friendships you make on shows and on TV shows and film sets, but it felt like that Paralympics family has really sustained its friendship over you know it's been eight years and we're still we still stay in contact with each other and we still are so fond yeah of that experience and those trips because it was so like nothing else we've ever done ever
0: god yeah that's amazing that sounds remarkable um I want to go back a little bit, just, you're talking about, um, uh, the grid reference and, um, you know, individuals, marks, uh, mm. actually, so was that laid out on the ground? You could see a grid? Like how did people know? Did, did they just sort of count? I've got to move three steps to my left or something, or how, how was that done?
1: That's such a good question. I hadn't even thought it feels so kind of like obvious to me, but that's a really good question. So, I mean, it's a machine, a massive machine. So firstly, the ground is absolutely covered with all the marks. So there's, and you could see if you look really closely in the stadium, you can see the numbers, but if, unless you know they're there, you don't really notice them. Mm-hmm. And all the rehearsal rooms are marked out with the numbers as well. Um, plus, obviously on a normal stage, you have downstage, upstage, stage left and stage right. Yeah. But in a stadium, you've got no front and back. So you have north, south, east and west, so you say, okay, everybody start facing north. <laughs> and the yeah, you rehearse on sound stages because there's no room big enough. And then we transferred to a car park in Dagenham to get the space big enough. <laughs> yeah. And you end up, we were up like those those towers that lifesavers or or tennis referees sit in to like see everybody. And everybody has an earpiece as well. So you're having to what I had to do was because it's called the whole way through the ceremony and there is, um, is how everybody's communicated to through the whole ceremony. We had to, well, we chose to make every section of the choreography have a different name so that instead of calling every single move we could say right now jubilee seven eight one two get ready we're going into the chicken move you know and then it like helps people who are not dancers access that as well making feel like they can remember the moves as opposed to leg kick jump to the side (laughs) that's like it's not really accessible to everybody yeah um but yeah the grids are amazing and computer system and you just put in how many people you have it works it out and then everybody has a bib with their number on
0: right okay so
1: um everybody every single yeah every single member of the cast is a number they uh, they are told they get a card which tells them where <laughs> what the grid reference is when to move where it's incredible
0: wow oh my goodness like the the, just the logistics of that i know i I mean i know you're saying that the machine sort of works all this stuff out but just it just sounds so daunting god congratulations you guys really pulled it off Um, (laughs) so when you are working out the routine are, are you in a room separately with um like the, 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 did you say about, there's about 10 of you who are sort of actually in charge of the, of the choreography? Um, and then you said you had a sort of smaller group that you're working with. So you guys are, you sit there, you plan it all out. You're, you're, you're hashing this stuff out first in like what, in kind of like, um, in a meeting room, in a reading room, or like how, how did that sort of, um, like, and how do you, Decide, uh, somebody suggests something, how does the other person like? Do, do you just, how did you come to any kind of conclusion or agreement? Rather,
1: so, such good questions. Nobody's ever asked me this stuff, it's so brilliant stuff which feels so obvious to us. And actually, it's it took a lot of working out, firstly, because all eight of us were sort of equal uh, rank, I suppose. But what we started to do quite quickly was kind of take leadership on different numbers, according to sort of our skills, according to our styles that we had, according to the the numbers that we really loved. So we quite quickly, I think we were, I can't remember whether we decided or whether we were put into pairs. And we were in the massive sound stages. So during the day, there'd be eight of us in this huge, you know, where they film movies. Just the eight of us. (laughs) It's like massive space, and then in the evening, two hundred and fifty people would arrive to go into each room. So there'd be about five hundred people a night, maybe seven hundred and fifty people. But working it out was interesting. You know, we had a long time, and those things they tend to sort of take a little while for people to understand their roles in the in the room. And we were all very different ages as well. And um, I think it helped to go right today. We're going to work on this number. And uh, we'd all spend, I don't know, it's so long ago, but I think I remember sort of everybody bringing different moves, different choreography to it, going, this is, here's some, learn this phrase. So I'd teach a phrase and everybody would learn it. And we'd go, oh, that feels nice. What if we put it together with that phrase there, put those two together. Okay. Now there's meant to be four of us. Try this. Great. Move in. I do remember the trouble with that little bit is, um, There's not one person's vision over an entire number. And that's what we moved to towards the end of the process because it was beginning to feel like it was almost too diplomatic. It would have like eight counts from you, eight counts from you, eight counts from you. And the trouble is then you don't get a very clear style. So I know that eventually certain people were just much more in charge of each number and say, hey, you just make the decisions. We'll learn it. So then we'd all learn it. So say, you know, say I was doing a particular number, I'd teach it to everybody, get them all to do it. And then I'd watch it. And then we'd call kind of the big dogs down from the scary rooms upstairs where they were having the meetings. And we, you know, the directors and the head choreographer and say, come down, have a look at this and they'd give us their feedback and they'd say, great. That's, that's not going to work. If you think about, if you multiply that by a hundred, you're going to, the maths isn't going to work out. And we'd go, oh, yeah, sorry, I haven't thought about that. Or that's great. I mean, we had some great moments where we worked very closely to a particular number to do with umbrellas um, and a big open number. And about a couple months into rehearsals, the company that held the rights to the song, we'd been using a remix of the song that they hadn't, it had been made illegally without permission from Universal Studios and Universal said that's not our song we can't give you permission to use it and it's not like it's on a little stage somewhere it's you know half a billion people watch the ceremony you have to have the rights to the music so um we yeah we and we were just at the point we were just about to teach the volunteers so we very quickly had to find a new song and that felt very frustrating because we'd worked so hard to fit it to that music and um and it felt like we were like this is why can we you know we want that song um so that it also showed us that actually it's a lot of negotiation that goes into that which was good but yeah in terms of the decisions it was it was sort of a teething process and that's the thing there's no system really in place on how to do these big ceremonies the group of people who do it turn up and muddle through all of them individually have incredible skills and at top of their game, and incredibly experienced, but we've never worked in that environment before, where we are making that show with eight choreographers, so it was it was quite um yeah, it was a lot of learning and a lot of being very patient and kind with each other, even though we were exhausted and tired and scared at yeah. times.
0: Gosh, I can imagine behind me um. So, yeah, okay. So, I didn't realize how. I suppose I should have realized, really. I mean, the scale of this thing is so different to anything else. So, obviously, it must have been a completely different kettle of fish. Um, in your TV work, so you managed to, you know, you, you did the Paralympic opening ceremony. That was fantastic. I remember the the umbrella stuff. In fact, Artie. I think she got <laughs> a, quite a bit of screen time on that. It was quite, it was quite cool. She
1: did. Yeah. Flying up.
0: <laughs> yeah. She, she, yeah, she remembers it so fondly and um, we're showing our son and, you know, he, he was sort of, uh, you know, just wide eyed at the whole thing. It was just spectacular. Um, So, uh, sorry, go ahead.
1: No, no, you got to carry on.
0: I was just going to say, so the, okay, so then you've got that, and then you've got the television work. So, how do the two processes differ? I mean, your television work looks quite—it's um, uh, quite—it looks quite broad, from what I can tell, just from you know looking at um, sort of filmographies and stuff online. Uh, you've got a lot of sort of children's television stuff, but then you've also got like uh, uh, the American chat show stuff—a <laughs> bit of Kimmel. There's um, Uh, a cordon sort of late show and things like that so what what, i mean okay so let's talk about the 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 children's stuff and just television in general is that sort of is it a consistent uh medium then or does it seem to vary depending on what type of show you're doing
1: it's it really varies it's not it's work i'd like more of but it is um it's work that kind of comes in I don't actively seek it. It sort of arrives and I kind of go, great, I'll do that. The children's TV work is, is one of my favorite job every year. I've done seven of those Christmas CBBS Christmas Day shows. And, um, and they are an utter joy. You know, it's a great channel and, and it's just wonderful to do. And I love that I've done so many. But the way I got into that was because it's actually a theater show that's filmed in front of an audience and put on the TV. So I came to that director that I've worked with before and then constantly just kept coming back year after year after year. Sadly this year we didn't, I didn't do it because of the, <laughs> the COVID and they did it on a green screen with a very small team. But um, that's that work. The other TV work, they are such, you're right. There's, it's like, there's individually such thrilling pieces of work but they're completely varied, <laughs> the strangest. So the TV work, like I did an episode of um, Russell T Davies' uh, show for Channel 4, that was, they did a series like Cucumber Banana. It was like an X-rated um, drama comedy. And, um, and I, there was one episode where there was a dream sequence where this woman did sang a song and everybody in the scene suddenly started dancing a bit like the Fisher King with Robin Williams in the train station and and so somebody just recommended me for it and I had such a great time on it and then and then the other ones are I just did one episode of um the truth seekers I was meant I was meant to do the whole series but unfortunately wasn't available for all of it so I only ended up doing one episode Um, and again that was just through my sort of movement directing work and somebody recommended me and and so those bits of work come in, and they're so different to theatre. Time scales are different, outcomes are different. The experience of being on set is different, but it's thrilling, and I love it. But the live TV show are also through theatre. So the I've done Kimmel, Fallon, the Tonight show, Jimmy Fallon, and James Corden. But all of them, only reason I did them was because I was staging pieces of theatre that were guesting on the show. Oh. I see. So. Yeah, so the 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 two LA ones, the James Corden and the Jimmy Kimmel ones, were a show I've done with Sting called The Last Ship, which was on tour across the US, and they had two TV appearances. Now, actually, truth be told, my amazing associate choreographer, um, James Burkery, who was on tour with the show, actually did the final staging of it. So I choreographed the number, but I couldn't get to LA, so I was there via link up. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, and in rehearsals and, you know, you know on the day. But he was the one who had to make all those final decisions because there comes a point where I can't, he can't have me on the phone there. He just has to say, stand here. So it was my work, but I didn't stand in the studio. Whereas the Jimmy uh, Fallon stuff in New York I did. And actually it was a full restage because we couldn't put the whole number into the little studio, but it was, oh my goodness, like amazing, just so amazing and terrifying, completely terrifying. (laughs) It was great.
0: Yeah. I can, I can only, I can only imagine. I, I visited, um, 30 Rock once. That's where they film Fallon, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like the stuff dreams are made of. You get in that lift and you're like, I'm sorry, I have to pinch myself. It's amazing. Uh,
0: It's, um, we actually was the year that I, uh, proposed to arty, so i took her to new york city and i have a friend out there and he was working for NBC, and he said sort of come in and uh and, uh, and i'll take you around and stuff and it was yeah we got a little tour it was very cool i didn't get to meet anybody but um it was just incredible seeing it but i can only imagine what it must have been like for you because you're actually it's your work there being showcased
1: it was unbelievable and and there was one little moment we would worked really hard uh, on the stage before we went. We'd marked out the studio with tape on the floor and we'd restaged it so we knew, because we knew we only had a tiny window. And uh, we got in there and truth be told, we looked at it on the cameras at this time. The director and I have been working together for a very long time on the show, Conor McPherson, and he's an exceptional human and an amazing writer and director. And and we got there and he said to me, that's not working, we need to swap that around. and and I, I wanted to like, I wanted to scream or kick something because I knew the amount of time we had meant I wouldn't get a chance to do it as well as I should. And I often have that feeling on TV where you have to go through the process of going, what you're asking me is not, I'm not going to be able to do as good a job as I know I'd be able to do with more time, but I have to do it anyway. So you can't waste any time feeling irritated. You just exhale. And you go, great, let's move. And then you have to also buy the trust of the actors because in those moments, you absolutely also have to make sure that you're looking after the actors because they're the ones who have to go on stage. They're the ones who have to be on the Jimmy Fallinger. I get to sit in the studio and kind of hide with my shirt if, if it's going badly. Um, and you, they've worked really hard and they're really scared and you go up to them and you say, guys, I know we've rehearsed this, but we're going to change it. And if they spot a hint of fear in your eye or in your voice, they've, you know, these are very, very experienced actors and actresses. We're talking, you know, Mayor Winningham, who's like incredibly experienced, remarkable woman. And they have, could have every right in the moment to go, oh, I'm not doing that. So you have to exhale and go, right come on this is for the be- this is for the best for the show and you take a deep breath and you get it done but um but yeah that sometimes happens in tv more than in theater because in theater we just have more time right to, to work things out
0: yeah interesting and it also seems like so do you i get the impression that you're dictated a lot by the the camera then i mean the, obviously because it's television but even though it's live it may, you get the illusion that you're doing live theater, but actually it's all down to these cameras that are on you.
1: Yeah. And it's all down. Yes. Sorry. It is indeed all down to the cameras and it's all down to the directors of the cameras actually. So you can present something uh, in a, in a version, which if you stand up front and look at it, you're in charge of all the different patterns on stage and where the focus is. But actually end of the day what the audience sees are going to be the choices that the the camera directors are making and I think that was the experience of the Paralympics as well actually that what was seen wasn't necessarily what we would have chosen to have shown in those moments Um, so you are you do have to have a really good relationship with it's different the live tv stuff because we never met the team until the moment we walked on set whereas if you're doing TV or film, you get to know your director of photography and you get to know your director really well. And you can have conversations where they go, you see the storyboard and they go, this is the image you're looking for. And then you're both working to the same end. Whereas in live TV, if you're bringing in a number from the outside, I mean, they were very kind and patient and they gave us loads of extra time to work it because they want it to look good. But essentially they're on a schedule and you come in and you have to do it and then you get out because the next section's coming in.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's a different type of pressure.
0: Gosh, yeah, but pressure nonetheless, that's uh, Yeah, it just sounds so intense. Um yeah, my I mean my naive brain is struggling to comprehend. I mean I've done live theatre um but it's Yeah, we don't have those restrictions. So I can't really imagine what that pressure must have felt like. That's incredible. I'd take my hat off to you if I were wearing (laughs) it. Um, Yeah, that's amazing. Um, So then your, you know, your background is theatre. Do you have a preference, really? This is going to sound so ridiculous, but like, um, I suppose comfort level, but it sounds like, you know, you don't, you clearly don't shy away from a challenge and the challenge, I mean, the, the, the satisfaction you must get from uh, succeeding at that challenge. Uh, again, I can only imagine must be so great. So how, how do you feel? Do you, do you sort of say to yourself sometimes, oh God, I wish I wish there weren't cameras there. I wish this was just a live performance or, you know, um, or, or whatever. Or am I completely off the mark there?
1: <laughs> no, it's a really good question. I think some people naturally prefer TV or theater, but what I love is, I love making work that I know I'm perfectly suited to. So I think as I get older, it's less about saying, I really want to work on, I really want a Broadway musical, or I really want to, um, uh, I want to do a feature film. Uh, You know, I, for me the the joy and the experience is going into a job knowing that there's no one else who could do the job except me with my particular set of skills and then there is such accomplishment in whatever form it is whether it's tv or or theater going we're now going to work to what the specifications of this order is <laughs> but the variety is everything for me I I love it all genuinely and that and that's not a cop out it's sort of going I need to have that balance I didn't go out planning to do musicals I've only really gotten to musicals in the last few years actually um I'm a movement director as well I love sometimes I just go in on a show and I'm just a body coach and I just spend time with an actor in the show who's got a very difficult role where they have to maybe play for example I worked with a remarkable actress called Kate Fleetwood at the National on a show where she was playing Uh, an ex-soldier who'd been in a terrible IED explosion and she had third degree burns all over her body and my job on the show apart from a bit of scene change and kind of staging work was to just be with her and guide her through that and help her find a way that was convincing to portray that uh, which felt truthful but also my job is to look after her body so to make sure that she's not giving herself any injuries playing this this part physically and then also to work with a vocal coach to make sure she's heard properly because she's holding so much tension in her body playing this this person who's in pain all the time her voice can suffer and then she's playing a massive space in the littleton at the national and all of a sudden you can't hear her so i love those jobs i love going in and just doing a bit of consulting and then I love doing massive musicals and give me a bit of an adrenaline rush with some live tv I'm happy what's important as I get older is I as I look for really good clear relationships with my team with directors Uh, you know I'm trying to get better at spotting what those are before you start the job Cause there's nothing worse than getting halfway through or the end of a job where you realize you haven't crossed the finish line with your director. And that is an awful, awful feeling. And it's only happened maybe once, but you learn a lot from that and you go, wow, I never want to feel that ever again. So that, you know, that's more what it's about. So it's less about the medium and more about the content and who I'm working with that I love.
0: Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's incredible, and it and it makes perfect sense. Um, I'm glad you touched on the movement side because I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Um, I find that fascinating. You know, when when from a from a performer's uh point of view, um, particularly if you're if you're in suits and things like that. But just like um, the idea that, like the okay, so I guess to pick on the example you gave, um, the actress she. She's playing a wounded soldier, um, and and you and you've kind of got a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not usher, but sort of you know you've almost got a you've got to help her through that. You've got to carry her through that. So how do you get there? It sounds to me like do you need to get into that same? Well, you're already in that headspace as well. So you're kind of both experiencing this character at the same time.
1: Good question. I think um, I think it's about masses of research so what I'm doing is I'm kind of cutting down the process for her by being an expert and going I'm gonna go she's I mean she's a great actress she did loads of research herself and that is an actor's job as you know to go and do the research but what I'm bringing to the table is also not only the research on what what third degree burns look like but also years and years of experience of of lots of being able to talk about movement in a way that directors can't or actors can't necessarily access because I've had years of training and I, I actually also have a psychology degree, but that's kind of beside the point. Mm. But, um, but that's really come in to help with things like this as well. But I draw from lots of different, so the more you spend time looking at people's bodies, the more you spend time looking at people's bodies and how people move. And I'm fascinated by, animals and actually you said in a suit and actually I love as well you know uh, you know animation and I love green screen work because it's the ultimate it's like the purest form isn't it and and I you know Artie's work is unbelievable she's exceptional at kind of finding that purity of the physicality of something
0: and then delivering
1: that and um And I love that. That's so fascinating. And that, you know, that's guiding an actor or an actress on that journey is is such a thrill. Um, Finding out a way where their own bodies meet the needs of the character is really important as well. So it's not my job to turn up and transform someone into something that they'll never be. I'm far more interested in going, right, what makes this character them? And how do we get it? So another, one of my colleagues, Polly Bennett is exceptional at that. And she worked on the Bohemian Rhapsody film.
0: Oh, wow. And,
1: you know, she, yeah. So she not only did the choreography, she was his body coach and his movement director, and she got him to look and move exactly like Freddie Mercury. And that is, Amazing. I mean, her work on that. Yeah. She's remarkable at that. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, that's that's incredible. Um, gosh, I, yeah. I'm trying to think how, you know, how does that, well, it's interesting. It's the first time I'm really hearing about, you know, the two, People working in tandem to realize this thing it does feel like you know it really is a it's a shared character really isn't it yeah yeah, yeah that's um that's interesting because i i i've always found like with um when you look at films like f- f- feature films that have sort of creature characters and things like you know all this marvel and and all these mm. big tentpole things and often you've got multi uh a character will have it will be multifaceted there'll be somebody who does the voice there'll be somebody who's inside the suit there'll be somebody operating the head or whatever um when you're talking about creature effects at least um mm. that idea of a character being shared between people has always fascinated me but what you've just told me today is is an element of it which I've never even considered um <laughs> which is incredible yeah it's really fascinating um Gosh, I feel like I'm back at school. This is fantastic.
1: <laughs> Bless you. That's very flattering. Um, I think as well, like you can't underestimate the amount of yourself you put into those things. You know, you 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 bring your own not only experience but also your sensibilities and your views of the world, and they end up in your physical characters as well. And and the two worlds where those two minds meet as well is a joyful and thrilling experience.
0: Yeah. That. Yeah. That. I can again. I can only imagine, but it sounds brilliant. I'm I'm sort of vicariously imagining all this stuff through through your words, um, Lucy. What what? So what's coming up then? I know this year has been a bit of a an absolute bugger for everybody. Um, <laughs> uh, how how have you been sort of coping with it? I I see online that you have projects and stuff. You you mentioned um, uh, that you you've been lecturing and things like that. So how how do you what what have you been up to really?
1: Well I had a show on Broadway which we just opened which was a musical with Bob Dylan and you know you you wait a lifetime to go to Broadway and finally I'd got there and then we opened on the Thursday and we closed on the Monday (laughs) so yeah it was but we were grateful we got to open because we got all of our reviews in and they were all amazing so we were in a very good position, yeah, compared to some other shows that didn't even get to open. Mm. we don't qualify for the Tonys, sadly, because not enough Tony voters had been to see the show but right. um but then i yeah i came I was meant to come back, and I had uh two or three shows lined up at least two or three, and then well, I had to work until Christmas, and one of it was a trip to the Sydney Opera House to do a show that I'd been working on, which was transferring there, and I was very excited, but I do count myself lucky uh so many of our peers have had zero income and not qualified for the self-employed grant because they've had other jobs as well and I was very lucky that I um, my husband opened a food bank at the club that he runs so he runs an amazing company called Slung Low and it's a theatre company it's in a working man's club there's a community college and he literally overnight just turned it into a food bank and so that kept us busy for a good few months and then as it continued, I realized that, that Broadway wasn't going to be back by the summer and work wasn't going to be back. And I had to really start thinking because we have a family and a mortgage to pay, as everybody does. And we got, I got a bit nervous, truthfully. So I started to hustle like everybody's hustling and, um, and started a few little side businesses. I had been doing some corporate work before. And basically, I just launched that as like a business and got a website, joined a networking group an all women's networking business, women's networking group. And, you know, it's been really brilliant. So now I'm running, I do a work with clients on um, things like uh, present presenting Zoom calls, how to get good at Zoom calls <laughs> and um presenting online body language and you know it's all from the same world that I work with with actors it's just transferred to real people I do breath work and vocal work and gesture work and um, I do that with a variety of clients sometimes sales teams sometimes individuals who just want some personal um, upskilling and like tomorrow I've got a workshop I think there's about eight people coming and it'll be looking at their screens on zoom and kind of giving them feedback and getting them to present a bit to the group and then we'll talk about that and yeah it's great it's not a business yet but it's you know the most important thing mental health wise is I feel like I'm achieving yeah I think that's yeah that's really important for us especially as artists where we spend all of our time creating suddenly have all of that taken away so I've done that, and then I've been lecturing, which I'm incredibly grateful for, at the Leeds College of Music, which is now called Leeds Conservatoire. And I'm running, I'm running a choreography course if, to the musical theatre students. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. Yeah. Um, and the Zoom, so coaching people on Zoom makes, I mean, it makes perfect sense. That's really, um, it's smart. That's a smart move, right? <laughs> that is the world now. Um, yeah. I've seen some short films that have been, shot over that i've got a couple of friends who've who've made them but then i've seen other um projects which are really quite accomplished i mean um i mean is that is and is that something that you could i I mean i don't know how common they are but i can see your you know your your skills transferring to even (laughs) you know helping people act basically
1: yeah i hope so i mean i think also we're all still just finding our way and i think money's a big issue still so we're the extra costs so um you know we're not the actors are the first people who come on because they're the ones who are going to be on screen but to get extra support for them like movement directors and body coaches and choreographers is we're the extraneous costs so until people are sure that they have funding or that this is going to be around for longer than we are ready to admit um I think there's probably that work is going to slowly come in as you know as you know tv and film are are back and are doing in small amounts carefully. Mm. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe some work will come in there. Um, and, you know, I don't know what, I don't know what the future is going to bring. I just know that I have to keep momentum because otherwise I'm going to go out of my mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, I completely, um, I completely get it. Um, Lucy, I wish you all the best um, for the future. I'm sure. Well, I'm not sure, but I'm really you know, hopeful that things are going to pick up. I can see, as you were saying, you know, yeah, things are slowly starting to move. The cogs are so- slowly starting to turn. Um, and hopefully once this vaccine is here, who, who knows? Um, yeah. You know, perhaps some normality can resume. Um, thank you so much for your time today, Lucy. I really, really appreciate it.
1: It's been so lovely. It's such a joy when you get asked to do these things, because you get a chance to reflect and you get a chance to Especially in a time like this, I see a lot of my colleagues kind of beginning to lose faith in who they were. And this is so lovely to remind us who we were. It's not that long ago, but it will be a year soon and you can easily forget who you were and what you did and that you were a creative artist. And it's lovely. Thank you for having me. It's been a good chance just to grin and remember with joy what I did and will hopefully do again one day.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to share links and stuff as well so that people can actually see some of your work, at least the stuff that's already out there. Thank you so much, Lucy.
1: It's so lovely to meet you, my love to your family.